Hello, this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. You guys, this episode is ridiculous. It's so, so good. We have Julie Moorhead on the show today, who is the executive director of TCC Gives. And there's richness in this episode because we hear about Julie's personal journey from really stay-at-home mom and just not feeling fulfilled in that role and knowing that she needed and wanted to do more to getting her master's degree in philanthropic studies and, and now being the executive director of TCC Gibbs. But we also have some really amazing business case type information about how TCC Gives is structured and what it allows their employees to do in terms of engagement. Guys, it's all in here. I mean, it's super good. So make sure that you listen all the way through. And when you're done, then you can subscribe and leave a review because that'd be badass, super kind thing to do. All right, here we go. Julie Moorhead. Hey, Julie, how's it going? Great, Rebecca. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm glad that you could be with us. Me too. So we're going to talk about you and your journey with TCC Gives. Yes, absolutely. But you're also going to give us some of the insight into who you are in your personal journey and to where you are today. Sounds fair? Sounds fair. All right. So you, we talked a little bit before we, we started recording today, and I love the the, I, I call it the breadcrumb trail of discovery that gets us to where we are in ultimately at some point in our lives, this meaning, purpose, calling place that we ultimately all kind of want to get to. But I love hearing what's, what are the breadcrumb trails that get you from one place to the next? And so I think yours is really interesting that, you know, you were a stay-at-home mom, raising kids, doing the things, and in some people's opinion, the luxury of not needing to work, but really wanting to work. Right. You Absolutely. Just, you yeah. had this ache of saying, I'm not built to stay home. And it was a run-in with the Humane Society that is a bit of this breadcrumb trail story that has you now as the executive director of a really successful foundation. Yeah. So tell us that story. You're, st- you're, you're home. You're pregnant with number two. Yeah, pregnant. We had a huge transition in our lives of moving. Um, we had after school, Scott and I both went to Purdue. We moved down to Noblesville, Indiana. And I never really used my degree, my biology background. I was in a lab for a while. And then I decided to sell real estate and waitress. And I just had a lot of fun doing little odd jobs here and there. When we moved back home, which was Marion, where both of us were born and raised, um, I really was uncomfortable selling real estate and trying to take that career back with me. Uh, and it had been just a couple of years in Noblesville. So I I decided, though, I, I still needed to do something. And Scott and I had rescued both of our dogs from the Marion Grant County Humane Society. So for those that will likely follow you on social media after today's episode, they'll know that you have your own little mini <laughs> farm-ish. Animals are your thing. Animals are right. We have so, four dogs. Yeah. And I don't think that's normal. I don't think a lot of people have four. You don't realize but... until you see all of you piled on the couch together with kids uh, yes. and dogs and all the whole thing. So I love it. It's my favorite thing about following you. But keep going. So. <laughs> 
yeah, absolutely. So, so we rescued our dogs from there. And when we moved back, I just really saw that being somewhere that I wanted to be. So we, I just, you know, I told Scott, I was like, you know what? I really want to just volunteer here. Luckily, we had the luxury of me not needing to work for any financial purpose, which is a huge blessing. Um, but it got me in the nonprofit sector mm-hmm. somewhere I had always kind of been in. I always, I loved to volunteer. It was always something that I had done. Um, starting even, even in my sorority, I was the philanthropy chair. <laughs> so it was so just kind of important. in me. That's yeah. important for us to note is mm-hmm. we always get these clues about who we are and what we're about. The question is, are we paying attention to them? Right. So at the time, you probably thought that's not a big deal, but now you're seeing how all those little breadcrumb trails have kind of added up in, oh, absolutely. A, in a meaningful way. Yeah, uh, it totally that. has. It's fun. I didn't even really know. I had to, I remember having to look up what philanthropy was. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> now I have my master's degree in philanthropic studies. So <laughs> that's hysterical. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't real sure about that, but I loved it. And I loved volunteering at the Y when I was in school. Um, Even before, like in high school, I liked to volunteer and Mm -hmm. help with little kids at that time. But the Humane Society was a huge piece of my heart. And I guess an underlying value is compassion. Mm -hmm. And I, I have worked on myself through different things that I've done and just realized that is the core of who I am as a compassionate individual. And to the point, sometimes it gets in the way. It can be really hard. <laughs> Scott calls it underdog syndrome. <laughs> you can call it what you will. It's, yeah. I'm always rooting for, you know, the the lost cause. So that. we need people like you in the world to do that. Yes. So all of our dogs have all have great stories. <laughs> well, and it was a rescue dog that started this whole like actively being involved. I know this is an emotional story you told me earlier. Yes. Do you mind sharing it? No, it's fine. It it is Oh, I just remember it so much. I was so pregnant. So we had moved back to Marion and I was um around 8 months pregnant. I had already started getting involved with the organization and they were in chaos. It was a state of chaos. The organization was falling. Um, They weren't getting the support they needed because the building was falling apart. Literally, it was disease ridden and the city wasn't being very helpful. They were just talking about how bad it was and that they were condemning the place and they were going to do their own. So when I started, it was going to be this, you know, government and nonprofit sector collaboration. Mm -hmm. And the more I got involved, the more that story really unfolds. But in the meantime, in the the present need and the chaos was fosters for these animals. So we had this home with six acres of land and a pole barn. And I was like, this is perfect. You know, I just had one kid, one kid's pretty easy. Um, And then we had a couple of dogs, but I, I brought home Ella and she had been dropped off at the shelter with several puppies and they were like, she, we can't have her here. This it's so such a bad environment for a nursing mom and puppies. We need to get her somewhere safe. So I pulled her into the pole barn. I had no clue what I was doing at this point. I had like, now I feel like I could practically be a vet with all the experience <laughs> I had with the fosters in those years, but she was and my let's first. Just remember you're eight months pregnant. Yeah. Very pregnant. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we brought her home, set her all up. And then I had so much support from the amazing people at the Humane Society, they would come out. She had IVs going at some point. Um, We had her out and she was taking care of these puppies. And 
I just bonded with her immediately. Her love of these new babies and I was getting ready to be a new mother again. I just had so much compassion for this dog. And, uh, you know, the second day she started getting sick Mm. and it just, I had no idea. Again, I had no experience with any of this and I had people coming out. And like I said, they, they started IVs. They were working on her, working on her. And then they told me they're like, she has parvo. And parvo is a really common disease that will take a dog quickly. And that's why we vaccinate our dogs um, to keep them from the pain of this disease. So she she has this and we're hoping so much, you know, we've got her on IV antibiotics. I have vets coming out to my house. Um, she's still nursing all these puppies. She's such a good mother. So the mom instincts are just... Oh my gosh. Yes. It was just so hard. And I'm just like praying, like, please, like this dog has to survive. Mm-hmm. She's got all these babies. Um, and then quickly it turned bad and we lost her. And it was it was so hard and it just weighed on me. And then I think the emotions of being pregnant, plus just the compassion that I had for this dog. I mean, I had fallen in love with her. Mm-hmm. I was going to keep that dog no matter what. Right. And I sobbed for three days. Like I just went so grief stricken with this. It was so hard. And we, Scott was so worried about me. He was like, he was worried. He's like, she can't take any more loss. We have to get these puppies out of here. So we had another family step in and they, they took care of the puppies. And luckily she had been with them enough um, and was able to survive long enough. She passed along that immunity to Parvo. So the dogs, the puppies all survived, which was amazing. Uh, The mom game is so beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. it totally is. Um, So that was my first foster and we fostered many, many more dogs after that. Um, A few foster failures along the way that ended up staying with us. Our limit from two dogs went to three pretty quickly being in that scene. And then, (laughs) then then I took it up to four. Is there really a limit? (laughs) I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. We probably shouldn't ask Scott that question. I would say yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're at our limit. But you know, you took a situation where you learned a lot about yourself in that, right? Mm -hmm. You, you were in, you didn't know how to handle all this, but you figured it out and your compassion is really what led you to figure out hard things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you took that experience and took it a step further. So you really got involved. Got really involved. Got on the board. Mm -hmm. Okay. And was just a hands-on volunteer out there. And with realize, I went through a lot of the discussions with the city. I got really involved Mm -hmm. in the whole process. And then we realized as a nonprofit, we really needed to separate. It's just something, it's very difficult to work in a collaboration with the city and the way that they do funding and a nonprofit and the way they do funding. So priorities went ahead and separated and they now have an animal care and control, which is run by the city. And then they have the Humane Society. And I helped a lot um, with the move, the physical move um, and parting from that because now we had nowhere. So we had animals. We had an old building from our, the previous company. Um, Scott's grandfather had started Morehead Electric. We had an old abandoned building in Marion. And this is like top <laughs> secret. And now I'm exposing it. Uh, we had animals all in. We, they were not supposed to be there. We had all these animals like <laughs> hidden away in the old Morehead Electric building. I told Scott I was going to take a few it was like a freaking shelter. <laughs> it was so <laughs> packed full of dogs. And we had people like going in and out, taking care of all these animals. We had nowhere to put them until we got the building. Oh, so we, and our gosh. pole barn was full. Like every foster and Marion was full of animals. I could do a business case study on that though. That's about, 
use the resources that you have, be scrappy. Like right. you, you, we were scrappy. Yeah, that's for that. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we finally found a new building. I worked with a realtor that I was friends with. So we were able to get, you know, these deals from just using your connections. It's, it's an important thing in nonprofit work. Um, all work, right? Yeah, all Conne- work. All oh, work. absolutely. Connections. Yeah. I, yes, connections are huge. So we were able to work with um, an amazing company, Advanced Cabinets, that put in all of, they had worked with us in all of our stores and they came out and helped us do some major renovations on the building. Um the, my dad, you know, he's a painter. He did the epoxy flooring. I was painting. We were all just, it, it was very hands-on and it was fun. It was it was so much work and so when much stress, but really so fun. you have a big purpose for right. what you're doing, it, yeah. people will go to extraordinary links to make it happen. Absolutely. And that. it was such a beautiful, we, everyone was so proud of the building that mm-hmm. we created, you know, because it was blood, sweat, and tears. We were, as the board members, we were taking shifts, going out and letting the animals out because we didn't have employees yet, because we didn't have money yet. Oh my yeah, gosh. It was chaos. Yeah. But everything fell into place. We had an angel donor that left us a significant amount of money to really help us get started with all of that that mm-hmm. came just at the perfect time. It's funny how that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So now that you've really now, you're like, okay, I have shown myself that I can do a lot of things. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when what was the jump between that story and you then going back to school to get your master's in this? Because as we talked about, you're working, you're going to school, you're raising kids mm-hmm. and having done that myself. Oh my word, it is hard. It's yep. beyond hard. You almost have to normalize how ridiculous it is to survive <laughs> it, right? Because if you let yes. yourself think about how hard it is, you'll never do it. Yeah. So what was the timeline or the jump between getting that success and going back to school to really do this as a career? So we, the move back to Carmel. So we decided to move the company um, down here. It just made more sense for us and for the growth of the company. So we took a solid year or so um, to just kind of make that transition. And we were also, so we bought this building that we're sitting Mm -hmm. in today, which is our corporate headquarters. And we bought our lot, my husband and I, where we were building our home, which is nearby. So it's a, it was a time of building. Mm -hmm. And it was also, there was a lot of issues at home at that point in time. Um, Scott had had a head injury. So personally, we weren't in a really great place. It it was a growth stage of life. Like if I look back on that chapter, it was dark and it was really difficult. Um, But I knew going through all of that and, you know, honestly, like I was even looking at a possible divorce. Like I wasn't sure where we were going to go. It was just a dark time. So all of a sudden I started evaluating and I was like, what am I going to do? I haven't used my career. Like what if I, I do need to bring in money? What if I'm dependent on myself here financially? I have I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I can't go back into biology. I have no desire to make anything happen with that. And I found my passion for sure. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to start an animal rescue at that point in my way, like after dealing with everything that went through it. And it's difficult. The animal world's kind of difficult. Um, You get people that are almost too too much with it, right? Right. So um, I saw a lot of what I didn't want to have happen. So, but I I felt very un- 
unavailable or unable to do that mm-hmm. without having any sort of education behind it. And it was just another one of those things, another breadcrumb, I guess. I had friends over, new friends um, that we had just met, and she was telling me about the IU Lilly School of Philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> what like, is this? Hold on. Wait. I could get a career in what I love. And so then I, this was early August that she was over. We were in our pool. The house had just been done. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need to do. And I called, found the school the next day, signed up and started classes within like two weeks, a week. I don't know. It was really fast. Here's the thing I really want to highlight for our listeners is some of our most profound next steps come in the darkest, most difficult places, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I always tell women that our, not only does our story matter, but our struggle matters. Yeah. You know, in that struggle is where we start to really dig in and evaluate and, and look at things differently. What We don't do that in the comfort zones, right? Right. We don't force ourselves to have that conversation with ourselves when it's comfortable. So right. it was dark. And out of that darkness, you said, okay, I'm, I'm stepping in. This is it. Marley was, our youngest was getting ready to start kindergarten. I was like, this is a great stage. And I, again, I knew I was never satisfied staying home. Mm-hmm. I, I never was, not for a second. I constantly was wanting to do more than just um, stay at home with my kids, which is, you know, it's whatever. Nothing Everyone's that. different, I'm right? same way, right. So finding this was great. Well, I started and I started because I think I started so quick and because I was so unconfident uh, in myself and lost through becoming a mother and being a wife and all of these transitions we had had in life and the fear of the unknown that I was looking at. Um, I really was unsure that whole, the start of that first semester. And I went into class and I was scared and I was nervous and I was like nervous to raise my hand and my, my voice shook when I answered questions. And then um, my friend and I went to UPW, which is a Tony Robbins event, and it changed my life. Scott had went earlier that summer and was talking about Tony Robbins. And I was like, shut up. Like, don't talk anymore about Tony <laughs> Robbins. I don't want to hear it. Because you do get on fire for that yeah, stuff. And you then totally, you annoy people. Yeah, yeah. you do. Yeah, I so it. I was like, okay, I'll go. Just don't, don't say his name until I go. Okay. So that was our deal. <laughs> so I went and it the confidence that I walked away with that, I, I came back with this attitude of why can't I? And that was exactly what I needed at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So I went right back into that second half of the semester and I just kicked its ass. Oh, I love you know, it. I, I, love I got it. confidence. I started answering questions and I got a really great relationship with my teacher because of the, you know, taking down that wall of mm-hmm. scared, being so scared in that environment. So everything went great from there. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. Two things I want to highlight. So one is when you were not feeling fulfilled, that's a that's something we have to pay attention to because what that means is you've been given unique gifts and talents that you're not using. And when you have that sense of I'm not in the right space, whether it's stay-at-home mom or whether it's the job that you're currently working, but you just know something's missing, Oftentimes, it's there's some gift and talent that you're not utilizing, and we are hardwired to use our gifts and talents. So you got to this place where you're like, okay, now I'm going to go get this degree. I'm going to use these gifts and talents. I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then you run into what I call the little bitch in your head who is saying, who are you to be in this class? Why is, you know, 
be, you know, be afraid. Like right. this is not your space. And I love that you found Tony Robbins. We're not going to give Scott credit for that because we know what happens when you give Scott too much credit. He gets way <laughs> too excited about it. So we'll keep that amongst ourselves. Um, but it took that kind of catalyst or event for you to say, why, why not me? Right. I love that. Yeah. I love it was that. huge. It was a huge turning point. And just, I think, again, that was the first point in time. And I don't know, maybe ever that I really looked at myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew I was unsure and unconfident, but I didn't know why. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I had realized up to that point of how much I was lost until I sat there in this immersion for three to five days with Tony Robbins. I don't even know how long it was. Um, but just taking a you look at myself. You do lose track of time with you Tony totally Robbins. You totally do. <laughs> you you do. absolutely do. So yeah. Everything's happening he has at a like two weird in the morning. spiritual takes over your whole being. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. I get that. So it was really cool. And you know, that's a thing that in working with what I call badass women, my first step when I'm coaching with people is say, let's make a list of your unique gifts and talents, your strengths. And they look at me with this slow blink, like, <laughs> what are you trying? And these oftentimes are people like you, they're running companies, they're running, they're, they have a big presence and a big job, and but they've not taken the time to really look at themselves. They look at the work mm-hmm. and then they'll say things like, well, I'm a good mom. I'm like, well, keep doing that. But you're using certain gifts to be a good mom. Well, I'm a good, you know, vice president. Okay, but what are the gifts that you're using to be good at that? And to drill all the way down into just standing there alone, looking at yourself, take some intentionality and some guts to do it, but it's important work. Yeah, intentionality is one of my favorite words. Me too. Being intentional and then also being aware. Mm-hmm. So the awareness that you're going through, whatever you're going through and whatever you want to focus on, you have to bring in awareness um, and then intentionality on the change or whatever it is that you're putting into it. And be present in all that. And and that's yeah. important. If you think about being in those classes mm-hmm. and receiving the same instruction, the same information before you went to Tony Robbins, you weren't really receiving it in a way that you had the kind of relationship with your professor or the people teaching that that you do now. So the the difference was in believing in yourself, you leaned in more and got more invested and Absolutely. got way more out of it. Yeah. So it's something that is tangible. The impact of getting over those fears and really believing that you're enough and that you're worthy and why not you changes the game in how you received the instruction that you had already paid for. You could have sat and gone through the classes and got the piece of paper at the end, right? but it would have been different than what you've experienced as a result of saying, nope, I'm all in. Yeah. That's Absolutely. important. Yeah. That's super important. Yeah. So you come out of this experience and now here you are the executive director at TCC mm-hmm. Gives, which is an amazing program. Tell, tell us a little bit about how this works because it is different than many foundations out there and, yeah. and, and a real value that you provide to the company as well as the people that you serve. Tell us about that. Um, well, so we started, well, I'll go back just a little bit for you. So Scott and I, when we were in Marion still, we started the Moorhead Family Foundation just to have like an organized way to give money just from naturally being approached by nonprofits and people that needed help in the community, which we totally wanted to do. That is one thing that Scott and I have always aligned on is the need to support our local communities. Um, and we it's huge. Like there's no way we'd ever ignore our local communities. Um, so 
by having that in con in common, we were able to create the Morehead Family Foundation, which we were engaged with initially. And then all of the moves started to happen. We moved our corporate headquarters. We moved. We went through that kind of dark time. So we got detached from it all. Well, the Morehead Family Foundation was the last thing to move to Carmel. Um, like one of the very last things. So I sat in on a board meeting and I, I went back to Scott and I'm like, mm, this isn't doing what we want it to do. He totally agreed. He had been feeling that way for a while and just not had the time and energy to invest in it. And I was like, well, give it to me. Let me take this and I'll, you know, work one day a week. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. Right. I'm like, I can do that while I'm going to school. You know, I remember my ultimate goal was to have my own animal rescue at the oh, end of all of this. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I I was like, let me take it and let me see what I can do here. So what I do and what I think is one of my gifts is connection. And able it, this. So when we created TCC Gives, we didn't create it, Scott and I. And the Moorhead Family Foundation wasn't even like ours, really. Like we never wanted it to feel like that. When we said Moorhead Family, we were thinking the company family. It got lost into our family, which we had no control over. The company, you know, we created a board of people um, that took care of that. It was never our oh, family foundation. Yeah. Ah. So we misnamed that totally. Okay. So when we did TCC Gives... It's TCC gives, you know, it's not us. This is the There's company. There's no mistaking that, right? There's no Julian Scott here. It is, we couldn't give anything if we didn't have employees every day all over the country slanging phones mm -hmm. and accessories, you know, that's, that's who gives. That's TCC. And I want to underscore that. I've had the unique opportunity of working in uh, as a consultant for some of the TCC work that you do. So I know a little bit about the business and, and how you work. What's so beautiful about what you've created is you have retail employees all over the country. And if you think about a traditional retail environment, the intentionality, again, that you've done as a company in getting them involved in these projects and being a part of more than just selling phones is beautiful. In, in fact, you as a company, you've created another arm of the company called Culture of Good, where you go teach other companies how to do some of the things that you've done. And it's, it's a very unique model that is paying not only dividends for the employees and their how they feel about themselves and their jobs, but it's a good business move. It's a strategic business move that people want to work for a company that does more than just provide products and services. Right. It's big. It, the niche that Scott's dad found um, early on and that Scott really sunk into and grew was this Verizon Wireless is amazing there in every major metro area, but TCC, we're more on in the smaller rural communities, mm -hmm. so like Marion, you right. know? Um, so we had these small towns where we were, and that's where we are today. We're not in the downtown areas of the major metros. We're out in the suburbs and we're in the rural communities. Right. And because of both of us growing up in that environment and the belief of giving back to our local communities, when we created TCC Gives, we wanted everyone to have the ability to give back to their local community. So we know in the retail world, you know, unfortunately, they're not making a huge amount of money and have like a big stash to right. give away. Right. So we wanted to be able to impact our employees' passions in a bigger way for them. So our grant process is really cool. It's two-sided. Our employees sponsor grant. So we look at why um, 
why they want to give to that organization. Mm -hmm. We look at their involvement in the organization and we look at their passion for the organization. And it comes through in a page and a half that they have to do for this grant. It's amazing. Again, really personal, right? Super personal. So you could have said, hey, if you want to give a certain percentage of your paycheck in, we're going to divvy out that money to really beautiful ways. And then we'll put that in a newsletter and you'll feel really good. Right. Everybody disconnects from that. They, it, It's not personal. Yours is completely their passion project. And right. then they submit this document to you that, right, that says, mm-hmm. here's the, here's what I'd like to give some money to, some mm-hmm. TCC money to. And then you and your team look at all of those submissions, right? Yeah, we do. We look over every submission that comes in. And then the nonprofit also submits. So they tell us about their project. We award our grants are up to $10,000. Mm-hmm. So we're usually looking for a project that we can actually do with that $10,000. Mm-hmm. So we've done a lot of like, um, I, we've replaced carpet in organizations. We've provided vehicles for transportation for animal organizations. Uh, you name it. Like we've been all over. So we support animals, people, or the environment. So it just has to touch one of those things. Um, most people touch people. It's yeah. what we've seen. It's really, it, it's amazing to see this. I absolutely like get giddy to read all of these applications because I'm learning about all these other nonprofits uh, and what people are doing all over the country. And it's not, we're not supporting the big ones. We're, you know, we're not writing a lot of checks to Habitat for Humanity and the right. Boys and Girls Club. Like, of course, sometimes they'll get in our mix, but usually it's these small nonprofits mm-hmm. that give me the warm feels like the Marion Grant County Humane Society, you know. I know those people are in there busting their butts and there's this volunteer driven, it's volunteer busted and a thousand to $10,000 is huge for them and very hard to come by. And it allows you to see a project to completion. Like one of the ones you told me about earlier was in a home for teens and Mm -hmm. they needed new carpet. And just to be able to go from need to the grant process, which an individual somewhere in TCC said, hey, I know these people at this center, right. maybe had some personal uh, connection to it, and then to be able to submit that to their company mm-hmm. and then see new carpet arrive at this place that they know, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. $8,000 seemed like impossible for them. Like, for how them. are we going to get this? And, it, you know, they it comes to us and it does, like, my partner Courtney and I are just in tears reading these requests. It's so emotional and it is so personal. And because the employees opened up and because the shelters open up or the organizations open up, you know, we just hear these beautiful stories Mm -hmm. and we're, we're so honored that we get to be a part of that. And it, it is, it's from a a place of gratitude and it's a blessing. We're able to provide this. Uh, People want new phones and that's great but we're able to do even more with that. Yeah. And it's more than just writing a check. It really is personal. So these the employees then get to take a big check to their organization and present it. And you see their pride in these pictures that we get from that. Yeah. It means a lot to them. It wouldn't have happened without them. And they have to remember that. It's, yeah. We aren't just randomly choosing these organizations. They, it is from our employees' passions. And their a, why. And in a market, yeah, their why. Mm-hmm. I love that. All going all the way back down to why and purpose. And you know, they're in a, a situation where the job market, they could go to another company and get another retail job for maybe even more money than what you're providing. But this is a level of connection and engagement that is so personal. And they know that because TCC cares so much about them mm-hmm. that they've said, hey, we want you to show us how to give this money. Like that's a kind of connection that is 
you're doing it very, you're doing it differently and I love it. And they're able to inspire others, which is really cool. Um, cause we share these stories, they share the stories, uh, and the inspiration that comes from those is really beautiful. And having other people that maybe weren't even involved at all with a nonprofit start to be like, hey, I can volunteer. I want to do this. Yes. And it's not it like I think so many people just think of the nonprofit sector as a place to give money. And there's so much more than that to be given. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a huge like, of course, your time volunteering, your time is amazing. Your talent. Maybe you're a photographer. Oh, my gosh. All of these organizations would love photos to be able to share with their communities, you know, whatever your talent is. But the the fourth T besides treasure, of course, is testimony. And that's one that's missed out a lot. And that is my favorite because telling your story mm-hmm. is so impactful in somebody else's life. Someone that's in that dark time and is going through it. And then they hear your story of recovery and overcoming challenges that they might be facing right yep. now. There's so much power to that. So being able to encourage that too is huge. Amen. I mean, that's the entire reason I do this podcast. Right. Is because I know when you courageously tell your story, there's someone or lots of people listening today that that's going to touch them in a way that's going to inspire them. And they're, we have to be confident in telling our stories. I think sometimes, especially the struggle parts, mm-hmm. you know, it's not easy to say, hey, I was in a dark place. I'm not sure my marriage was going to make it. It was really hard. I was struggling. If we hide that part of our story, mm-hmm. we don't really give people the opportunity to see the greatness that's come out of that dark space to help inspire them to get through that in their lives. Right. So we have to be courageous in telling those. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So one of the aspects that I want you to tell us all about, which is also a part of what TCC does, which is very personal to women. It's for everyone, but I think it touches a lot more women, is you have a, a program called More Than a Phone. Yes. Tell us about that. More Than a Phone is really cool. I, I love the whole story. So when we when we launched TCC Gives, we launched the grant process and the change in the grant process very quickly. Um, and that went really fast. I knew that would. But we launched this other piece as the big idea. So we knew we wanted to create some sort of program that we could provide mm-hmm. uh, in that nonprofit feel of our own. So hearing from, we opened it up to the whole company. We're like, help us come up. It's a big idea. Like you guys help us discover this idea. So we had an employee on the East Coast that called me and he was like, my mom runs a homeless shelter. And she's like, is there any way we could get phones for these people that are in recovery and trying to start their lives again? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Do you care? Do you care if we take this and run with it? And he was like, oh no, that's amazing. Like, please take it and run with it. Yeah, it was amazing. So we decided um, at that point in time to drive a little bit narrow, more narrow of a focus. So we we zeroed in on domestic violence. It had been, you know, Verizon, our brand partner, has been a huge supporter um, of that initiative Mm -hmm. for a really long time. So we saw that being a really nice fit because a lot of people just think we're Verizon anyways. So it (laughs) works. Right. (laughs) We just run with that. So we created more than a phone. And with that program, we give um, smartphones and data service to shelters, and then they distribute that as needed. We realized right away we're not in that field, um, being in the nonprofit, being in the public sector or private sector, and then having that touch in the public sector with the government 
agency, I know personally, you never want someone telling you what to do when you're in that nonprofit. You know how to run your operations. So they can distribute the phones however they see fit. We activate them. Um, They call here and our call center answers those calls and it's anonymous. We don't get the names of any of the people. Um, We've tried to make it as easy as possible for them. We launched in 2017 um, with a few local communities here in Indianapolis, um, a few different shelters. And then we branched out to six beyond that that were in our rural communities. And since then we've launched, um, we're in at least 13, we'll be in 20 by the end of the year. It's, wow. We're kind of in our growth mode right now. So it's just connecting and getting these devices in. And then next year we want to double that. So we have really... I have huge goals for this program personally. This this is unique. Um, it's very difficult for another organization to do this. We're taking what we do as a company. Your unique gifts and talents as a yeah, company. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So being able to, you know, work with the way that all those processes work to get this down to a good price, something that we can actually provide. Mm-hmm. But as we get more support from donors and other people that want to get in on this, we we call it more than a phone because, of course, we're distributing the box of devices. But the goal is really to be more. So we have it, it's October. It's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Not sure if you knew that. We're all wearing our purple ribbons around here. Um, all of our stores have purple ribbons to put on their lanyards. Something to talk about. You know, maybe yeah. a customer will ask and they can talk about there's people out there. It's not an easy subject to talk right, about. Right. Um, domestic violence, independent partner, partner violence, mm-hmm. and it's something that's happening. You know, one in four, one in one in four women, one in seven men was are the stats on that. Like everyone's going through this. It knows no. So, you know somebody that has a barrier. Yeah. And, and it, there's somebody race. in your circle that has experienced it, whether you know yes. it or not. With those I, yeah. stats, one in four and one in yeah. seven, you just look around in your circle and realize that this that's happened somewhere in your circle. Well, and it's definitely happened to our employee base. Yeah. So it's something that touches a lot of them. Um, the stories, just because we've gotten behind it, they've shared with us. Uh, it's it's beautiful and it's amazing. And some of them have gotten so brave that they're sharing their stories mm. and oh, their testimonies getting out there. Yeah. So October, we rally around that the Domestic Violence Awareness Month and create awareness and let our customers and our communities know that we're not afraid to talk about it. So we provide them with a lot of information weekly. We send out stats and data for them to be able to read all of our employees so that they know about it. Um, And it's just, and then get out there, like get in and volunteer. So we set it up from here, but I can't be in Atlanta where we have an organization set up. Mm -hmm. So it's up to our TCC stores in that area to support them. So they come in and they take tours. And if you take a tour of a nonprofit organization, your eyes are going to be wide open, right. seeing all that they do and all that they provide for pennies. Mm-hmm. You know, what they can make happen out of pennies is amazing. Right. Uh, and they always reply back to me and they're like, oh my gosh, we toured today. I can't believe all that they do. They don't just house people that are going through this, they help them, you know, they're getting them back on their feet. They're starting. And that's what these phones are able to do. We know we can't, we can't walk anywhere without looking at our devices. We're stuck to them. And it's our, it's our connection, right? Yeah. So what I was so inspired by when I first heard what you were doing is if you think about this person that's, that's going through this domestic violence situation, now, if they've, if they've courageously left, They've left everything. Yeah. And and one of the first things that gets shut off 
is the phone, yeah. right? Either they had to leave it behind or somebody shuts it off because they're trying to make it hard for them because they've left, right? And they should leave it behind because unfortunately, you can get an awful lot of information. As you know, we yes, follow our kids. Right. A, a controlling abuser follows their prey. So they you know, have they, to shut they, it off. They need to to ensure their safety, especially if they've left. If it's their final and they're out, they need to, they need their own phone. Which means they've also shut off all the communication yep. to the rest of their world. Yep. Their family, their friends, their schools, their employers, their potential employers, their lawyers, their therapists, their their other organizations that are coming in to support them and help them. Can you imagine no. going through that, not having your device? The isolation in and of itself right. of this situation right. you're in is one thing. And then to practically be isolated from getting information about the things you care about most. I, I it's devastating. I just to even consider it. Right, and yeah. then just even thinking about the the stress relief that your phone provides, like hopping on Instagram mm-hmm. or online shopping or looking through articles and staying in touch with the rest of the world. Like we don't get the paper anymore. We look. Right. I flipped, swipe left, and look at my Google articles right. that are things I care about. Uh, that's how we get through in the world. So just to have those outlets be able to stream Netflix. I don't know, whatever they want to do. a little normalcy in the midst of a really tough time. That's important. I love this. I love what you're doing. You're inspiring. So just to connect some more of those dots. So the next time you go into a TCC store to get your phone worked on or to get a new phone, I want our listeners to realize that the money that they're putting into your business, you're allowing the ripple effect of these programs to touch far more than what people can see in that interaction. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love them to be our customers to support us so that we can do more because it really is like the more people support us, the more we can support our communities. I love that. Yeah. Last thing I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. So you talked about overcoming some things and Tony Robbins helped you get over some of that fear factor with what I call the little bitch in in our Mm -hmm. heads. And my premise is that we always still have her and our best thing to do is put her in the passenger seat with a seatbelt and a snack and not let her take (laughs) over our lives. What are some of the things that the little bitch in your head still bothers you with today that you fight to overcome? Oh my goodness. There, unfortunately, there's still a lot. Um, I'm really bad about worrying about what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is that little bitch. <laughs> yeah, she is. Uh, of course, body image issues. I think most women struggle with that. Um, and men. I just yeah. had a, a coaching client um, earlier today that that's one of his struggles. It's yeah. universal. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and I think... There and I don't know where this falls in with with the little bitch in your head, but the <laughs> the it being okay with saying no, I feel like it's hard for me. It was a hard lesson for me to learn to like not overwhelm myself and still give myself some time mm-hmm. for myself, uh, and that's always been something. I and I guess it probably goes back to that. Like, what do people think about me? You know, I'm I'm wealthy. We're blessed. And am I doing enough? It, I don't know. It, yeah. it is It is totally a struggle and a voice in my head. That's And I think that's important for people to realize. Mm-hmm. And I always say this, but to hear the practical stories about it is we don't 
outgrow her, outcareer yeah. her. We can't buy her out. No. Like yeah, she's, she's always there. there. Yeah, so absolutely. thank you for being courageous to share that about yourself because that lets us all know, oh good, we're we're normal too. Yay, <laughs> whatever normal. normal is, right? right? Exactly, whatever. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time today, Julie. Thank you. I'm not coming down. Yeah, I don't know one badass woman that doesn't have a story that involves struggle. I mean, I really don't know a single one. In fact, the amazing women of Rise and Thrive Indianapolis who are in their second month, well, third month now, of a seven-month journey, we're just all learning that that's true of all of them as well. We all have some struggle And the key is, what can we learn from that struggle? What type of resilience and skills are born out of the struggle? And then when we stand tall in our story and share it like Julie did today, it gives everyone inspiration and courage and the ability to do more. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I know I just loved Julie and her story. Your reflection question today, and I think I've used this one before, but it's so applicable. I just think we need to revisit it often. Is what have you learned from one of your past struggles? And how can you use that in your story now more intentionally? Thanks so much for being here. As always, we hope that you subscribe and to leave a review. And the Badass Women's Council dot community is just there waiting for more badass women like you to sign up, come in, join us, and share all of your badassery. Thanks so much. Make it a great day. I'm not coming down. I never left it on the ground. I'm not coming down.